Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Today, this morning, we have come in our church covenant to where we have covenanted together to engage by the aid of the Holy Spirit to sustain this church's worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. To sustain this church's worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrine. Well, what does all of that mean? Well, let's look at the first one there of worship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, we read, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. When we live our lives, every aspect of our lives should be filled with worship. What is worship? But the lifting up, exalting of God, the one who is only worthy of worship. We as the assembly, we as the body of Christ, members of his body, worship him. In our covenant, the choice of words is that we sustain this church's worship, the worship of God. Well, what about that word sustain? How do we sustain worship, the ordinances, the discipline, and the doctrines of this church? Well, we use that word in different contexts, don't we? We think of the courtroom, and we think of an objection, and we think of the judge ruling, whether it is overruled or sustained. What is that? It's held up. We think of it in the sense of economy, in the sense of business, particularly think of our paper. We've come such a long ways of having people and businessmen who have understood the need for sustainability that, become, that we don't even realize the horrors of it in past generations. Jojo Reisinger came back once and shared of how there was a company who purchased an entire mountainside, and the day after they purchased it, they moved in, and within a week, they had stripped the mountain of every single tree to manufacture paper. And it created a flooding disaster in the entire region because there was no responsibility of sustaining both the soil and also sustaining the trees in that region. They just came in, took it once, gone. There was no holding up of the future and the continuance of that forest to, for years to come, produce trees from which paper could be made. We speak of the sustainability of forests, an important need to be able to have it so that it continues. Similar is true in the fishing industry. There's certain regulations that are appropriate when they catch lobsters and, and they catch different fish where they're covered with eggs. And the wise fishermen will say, I want to sustain the population of this particular delicious creature so that mommy that's covered in eggs, we're going to just release so that we can sustain the population so that next year we'll be able to fish here in this place as well. We think of it in music. We even have a pedal on the piano that's called the sustain. 
I think I love it on the grand because what it does on the grand is very literally what the word sustain means. The word sustain means to hold up. Well, in the piano, we can either hold up the dampers by pushing the key and holding it, or we can do so by pushing the pedal. So here, I'm going to show you one that's not sustained. It's gone. Happened and over. There it is. But if I choose to push that sustained pedal, listen. I cause the note to continue. You notice it's fading? I'm going to have to hit it again. Causing that to continue. I release the pedal and it stops. So here the word is used in our constitution, our church covenant, to sustain. That is to lift up, to hold up, to cause, to continue. Perhaps the better instrument illustrated on is the organ, which also has a feature about sustaining, where you hold it and it just continues. It continues. So often in the Christian life and in the church, we get caught up in fads, these things that come and go. But you know there are some very basic activities of the church that need to continue. They need to sustain. And we as a church come together to covenant together to sustain worship, the ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. It must begin with worship. It is the worship of God. You see, worship is not something that just takes place on Sunday. Worship is not just singing. That's the reason I had you turn to 1 Corinthians 10.31, for this declares and describes worship. Worship is everything we do, being done in a way that God receives glory. And it even includes what we eat and what we drink and whatever we do. So often we think of worship as simply that of singing or praising. It is. Singing and praising is a part of worshiping because it is using our our spirits, our souls, our bodies to proclaim the greatness of God in the beauty of music and in the words of praise. But so also our spirit, our soul, and our body should always be worshiping our God. It is a sustaining reality. That's one reason why I kind of do like the piano. Did you see I struck the note, even though I had the sustained pedal, and it seemed to fade? It didn't seem to fade. It did fade, didn't it? Well, part of our job in sustaining the worship of our God is to moment by moment be striking the key of worship. Always in our lives, whatever we do, to be doing it to worship our God not in some monotony or rote or routine, but no, from a heart that is filled with gratitude and awe for God. For He is the one in the church who must receive glory. He alone 
is worthy of glory, honor, and majesty. Oftentimes, worship is associated with singing, but it's also associated with the congregation. That's good. We need to come together and in a unison and together in a harmony worship our God both in praise and music, also, by the way, in our actions. That is one reason why we assemble together on the first day of the week is to worship our God, to give Him the glory. But you see, it's not just this thing that is done outwardly or done only in the church building. It's done in the church all throughout the week. Do you remember the words of Jesus to the woman at the well? There was a question there about where God ought to be worshipped. And Jesus gave her an answer that is something we should keep in mind every single day of our lives. Jesus said to her, The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Last night, Brother Reisinger texted me and told me they were down in Texas and great spending enjoying time with Matt and Anna. And he said, have a worshipful day tomorrow. And I thought, you know, you see, we can be here worshiping the Lord, but you realize there's the body of Christ scattered all over this world. And so is he is, I'm sure, right now down in Texas worshiping, so we are worshiping. Lifting up God, we continue, we sustain the worship of God. It should be a priority in our lives. Are we striking that key? Are we holding the sustain pedal? Not just in the random occasions on Sundays, but every day in everything that we do, are we holding up? Are we lifting up God and sustaining the worship of Him? You know, as we do that, it will result in obedience. Will we continue in obedience? In our covenant, we covenant together to engage by the aid of the Holy Spirit to sustain this church's ordinances. Jesus gave us some commands. Two particular are given to the church in a significant way, and that is baptism and the Lord's Supper. Oh, how frequent it is and good for there to be baptisms. Well, you know what that tells us? That tells us that the church is sustaining the gospel, that the church is propagating the gospel holding it up because people are being saved. And when people are saved, believing in Jesus, they are baptized. That's something to rejoice in and to see that sustaining as often as it be till Jesus comes back. Do we see people believing in Christ and are we baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? And when we think of our church, the other, the second ordinance, the Lord's table, Jesus said to do this, the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the juice in remembrance of him. We're to do it as often as we do in remembrance of him. The tragedy of the Lord's Supper and of communion is when it becomes something that is rote or ritualistic. Sustaining is not that of rote or ritualistic or of tradition or of routine. It is a time in which we sustain the memory the thanksgiving of what Jesus did for us. And we do that as often as we do it, and our custom here is once a month, to obey what Jesus has done 
and we sustain that ordinance. Our covenant says that we covenant together to engage by the aid of the Holy Spirit to sustain this church's worship ordinances discipline. Now, this is an interesting word. And when I first read it, I wondered, my, what did the people who wrote this mean by that? The disciplines. Well, so I did something that is a very good thing for all of us to do, and I, I opened up a dictionary, and I looked up the word discipline. And you know, it's got a lot of senses, a lot of nuances of meaning. And some of them are interesting, and in fact, in church history, the word discipline is actually used very specifically in relation to churches' bylaws. It's a reference used for them and other traditions of the church. But it's also tied to another word. Do you hear it? Discipleship. Discipline is what comes from discipleship. It is what is the basis of discipleship. And it's interesting, if you look at our covenant, we have worship ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, and they're all tied together. They're all tied together. For you see the worship of God, and then you come to these last two of discipline and doctrine. What are they? Well, doctrine is that which is teaching, the teaching of the Word of God and the truth of God's Word. Discipline is that of applying and the discipling of the principles of the Word of God into our daily lives. That's what discipleship really is. And in fact, if we look through Scripture, we'll find that these two ideas are actually tied together. Can you turn with me to the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew? Perhaps you know where we're going. The Great Commission. The Great Commission blends these two concepts of discipline and doctrines together. It is the discipling in and with doctrine. Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, gave his church a commission. He gave his church a command. And in Matthew 28, verse 18, it says that Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The word here used for teach is the same Greek word used throughout the New Testament of a disciple. This is what Jesus did with his disciples. It's about discipleship, teaching the followers to follow how to live, the practical application of life. And here we have a commission to teach, disciple all nations, baptizing them here, one of the ordinances, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then look at verse 20 teaching them. It's a different Greek word than the first word teach. The first word teach here is to teach as you would teach a disciple to follow Jesus. Here is the word that is commonly translated in our Bibles as doctrine, teaching of the truths of God's Word, 
doctrine. And the vital doctrine here is, is that those who have believed and been baptized to observe all things, to obey all things whatsoever Jesus has commanded. And Jesus promises and says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so we as a church covenant together to engage by the aid of the Holy Spirit to sustain this church's discipline and doctrines. The discipleship of people teaching them to follow Jesus as the good shepherd is a vital and key part of ministry that needs to be a focus of ours to be continuing, to be held up. And it goes along with the doctrine of the truths of God's word. It's the truths and the application tied together. And it needs to be a priority for us to hold these You know, the more that we understand about our good shepherd and we follow him, the more we will want to obey him and the more we will worship him. The more we will worship him. So often doctrine is set aside, which is exactly the opposite of what we need to be doing. We need to be holding up, lifting up, sustaining doctrine as a church, for that is the fulfillment of the Great Commission but not to the neglect of discipleship, of teaching the followers of Jesus to follow and to trust God. The idea of discipline carries with it the nuance of learning, of understanding. So doctrine is that which is teaching, and discipleship is that of learning. Now, some of you might think, isn't that the same thing? Well, I'll tell you what, as a teacher and also as a learner, they're not the same thing because people try to teach me a whole lot of stuff that I ain't never learned. And it's just really hard. See, my mom will tell me I shouldn't use double negatives. Ain't never learned. None of you find that funny? Okay. We, 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 we are taught many things, but do we often learn? Do we understand? Do we apply and do we live? Jesus spoke of discipleship in Matthew chapter 11 when he said to his disciples, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is something that you use to carry things with. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn. Here is that word disciple. Learn of me. He says, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I find this interesting in the light and concept, the idea of discipline. Oftentimes, one of the common nuances of discipline is sternness, strictness, and and it, it is. Perhaps may we say heaviness? Do you see what Jesus is describing when he uses this learn of me? He, it's not just the teaching, it's the learn of me. And it's his yoke. What's really incredible about this is that we look at it, the reason why it's easy and the reason why it's light is not because it's all that light and easy, but because he's the one who's carrying it. It's his yoke and it's his burden. And when we are learning of him, 
He's the one who fills us with the strength to carry through, to follow him as a disciple. It's very important. Discipleship and doctrine are tied together. Will you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 where we also see them tied together? Because you see, as a church, we need to be sustaining discipline and doctrine. Why? Because the world doesn't. And those who are false Christians don't either. And there was a problem in the church at Ephesus that Paul had to deal with as relating to our walk. That is the way that we live our lives. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17, Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he makes that crystal clear in verse 17 when he says this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth, from this point going forward, you carry the idea of sustain, henceforth, walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkness, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Boy, does that sound like a dreadful situation. It is. And that's why Paul says, I declare to you, henceforth, don't walk like this going forward. Don't sustain, may I use that word? Don't sustain this kind of life. What's the solution to make sure that this isn't done? For he makes a point clear right at the beginning. He says in verse 20, But ye have not so learned Christ. There is the word commonly used, that of a disciple. You see, you have been saved, you have been redeemed, you have been purchased, you have been made a child of God. Are you his disciple? Because if you are his disciple and you are truly following him, that means you are learning of him. And if you are learning of him, you won't walk like this. Your discipline will be that of a disciple who has learned of Christ. Discipline, that learning of Christ. Verse 21 continues, If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Here he's now speaking of being taught. This is the word doctrine. Do you see we have discipleship and we have doctrine again tied together? The learning and the teaching, the discipleship. It, it, it's, it's, it's more than just this informational knowledge that comes into the head. It is learning and understanding it and living in it, sustaining it. It is a learned discipline of Jesus. Really what it is, is it's his life. He goes on to explain it here, for he describes all of the way that the other Gentiles walks, and he says, but ye, speaking of Christians, and this is true for the church, all of us, have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, 
that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Here we've got some doctrine. Some doctrine. What we were, henceforth we are no more. For we have a new discipline because we are the disciples of Jesus. We are learning of him as we hear him. He is our good shepherd whom we follow. And he says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. That is, are we his disciples as his sheep following him, knowing him as he knows us? Are we being taught his doctrine for the truth is in Jesus. It will change our lives. So are we sustaining, sustaining as individual members and together as the body of Christ, the discipline and doctrines of God? Living, living in Him. This is very important. The doctrines and the disciplines all of these tie together. Do you know where the idea and concept of sustain comes from? This is a key passage. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This is the beginning, the early part of the church. And the church is growing quickly. And there's something they need, or did, I should say, continue in. Something they sustained. It tells us in Acts 2, verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common. And if you look down to verse 47, what are they doing? Praising God and having favor with all the people. We see them here continuing in the apostles' doctrine and in prayers and in breaking of bread and in fellowship and in praising God. We see baptisms taking place. Here we see this continuing. This is why we as a church come together and we covenant together that we will sustain these things. You see, the church is not some fad that woof and woof and woofs on different new latest fads or doctrines. We have an absolute rock of the gospel. We have the absolute life of Jesus Christ in whom we live and have our being, and we continue in it. We as humans are always looking for the new, new, new thing. It's not about what's new. It's about what God has revealed to us and we sustaining it, continuing in it every single day. This isn't just something that happens on Sundays. Our worship needs to be every single day. We need to be focusing on lifting God up in everything that we do every single day. We need to be continually seeking to see people saved 
and be baptized, sustaining the ordinances and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, particularly in the breaking of bread and that of the Lord's Supper in giving thanks and remembering what he has done for us. And then we continue in discipleship. Ourselves as being followers of God as dear children, learning of Christ, and also being those who have been commanded to teach all nations, that is to make disciples of all nations, are we faithful in both our following of the Good Shepherd and in teaching others to follow the Good Shepherd. This is really important in the home. Moms and dads of children, did you know that brothers and sisters do the same for their younger brothers and sisters very often in teaching? Did you notice in the testimonies this morning, we heard of some testimonies where some of the older children were speaking of mom and dad sharing and leading them in the gospel. And then as it went, oh, we had older brothers and sisters who were involved. Oh, the beauty did you see of that? The beauty of those who were discipling, making disciples, themselves becoming one, following Jesus, and obeying, sustaining this discipline of making disciples. It's so very important to be looking for the truths. And it's not something that can just happen for a few hours on Sunday. It is a ministry. It is a, something that needs to be sustained in all of our lives throughout the day. Do we have a priority and a value? Do we lift up doctrine? Doctrine is very important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it according to the Word of God. Not something that is empty or vain, academic, but no true, the light-changing doctrines of God that will impact our discipline as we live for the glory of God, always worshiping. And so we go back to where we began. Why do we continue steadfastly in these things? Why do we sustain these things? For the praise and glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he may have the preeminence, that whatever we do might be done to his glory, to his honor, for he alone is worthy of glory and majesty. We lift him Let's this morning commit to do just that. How are ways that this week you, you will sustain worship? Start with just one aspect, praise. How will you praise him? Sustainability of praise in this week. Thanksgiving, obedience. Is there something that you need to obey Christ in this week. How can you, in all that you do, glorify him? I could give you lots of things. But are you learning of Christ? See, there lies a key. Are you learning of Christ? Are you talking to him and reading his words, his doctrine, so that you can follow him? Are you abiding in him? Jesus says that without me, you can do nothing. Those who abide in Jesus, and it says abide in his word in John chapter 15, will bring forth much fruit. And this is said to be to the glory of God the Father. How are we glorifying him 
in all that we're doing? How are we putting a priority on the sustainability of doctrine in our own hearts and lives? The sustainability of discipline, that is discipleship, that is following Jesus and learning of him. How is that in our lives? And what are some things we need to change? I shared with you earlier the point of Jesus, learning of Jesus, being taught of him, for him, him only is truth. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Here's an important part of discipleship, important part of doctrine. What are the voices in your life? Identify the voices in your life. The TV, that little phone you have in your pocket, all of these different things that fill us with voices, with information, with things. Sometimes we think of learning as going into a classroom and learning. No, there's a lot of people out there teaching and discipling you. As Isaiah 53, 6 says, to turn everyone to his own way. You know that's discipleship. There's different kinds of discipleship out there. What kind of discipleship are you sustaining? That which is a discipleship in the ways of the world, the ways of the Gentiles? You've not so learned Christ. Walk in the discipleship of Jesus Christ in his way. And so often it's important for you to be able to sit back for a moment and think, where are these voices? Who is discipling me? Who is, who am I learning of, learning from? And you may realize that there's some people you're following that you need to unfollow. It's funny. Our world has a system in technology and social media called follow. Are you careful about who you follow? What you are following? Is it leading every man to his own way? Is it the way of the Gentiles? Or is it the way of Jesus, his discipleship? Now, I'll let you know, Jesus speaks of his yoke. Did you catch that? And, and he speaks of a yoke. A yoke? Wait, wait a minute. How on earth did Jesus say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? When it's a yoke. It doesn't make sense. It's actually a paradox. Well, the reason why it makes sense is because Jesus is acknowledging that life is work. What he's just saying is, is that as you learn of me, I'm right there giving you the strength to carry it, and it is light. Because he is the one who gives you the strength, the meekness to carry the yoke, and the burden seems ever so light when we let him carry it. So let's cast our burdens upon him and let us learn of Christ, all to the glory of God our Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for your word. Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you as our good shepherd. May we learn of you. Lord, I pray for your people here today, your flock. Protect them. There are many that seek to scatter. There are many who seek to lead astray. Even our own selves have this temptation. May we not forget that the iniquity of us all was laid upon you, Lord Jesus. As we observe the ordinance of communion, the Lord's Supper, may it continue through the month, through the days. May it be sustained, the reality of it. 
as we realize what you've done for us and how we but can follow you, simply trusting in you. Lord Jesus, glorify yourself through us. For without you, we can do nothing. Teach us, dear Spirit of God. Show us the ways of the Gentiles in our own lives that we may stand guard and seek to know you more. We glorify you this day. We want to see you lifted up. You glorified in all of our lives, not just in this day, but may it be sustained every day till you come, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.